Amen. Please have a seat. So we're in our series, God's Big Picture, and we're in week three. The first week we looked at the pattern of the kingdom, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, about how God made everything perfect. There was a beautiful harmony between us and God and other living creatures and the earth in general. And then last week we looked at the perished kingdom, the fact that we fell from grace and we brought everything bang down with us. But we saw that in the midst of that, amazing, that wasn't the end of the story. We might have expected that Adam and Eve would have died, and that would have been the end of the project called creation. But actually, what we heard in the midst of even the judgment of Genesis 3, as Adam and Eve turned their back on God in rebellion, and he turned his back on us in judgment, even in the midst of the judgment, there was hope laced into every judgment because God is good all the time. Today, we're looking at how God then gives fresh hope to human beings by speaking His Word of promise, of restoration, of hope to human beings. And He, he does so using covenants, promises, deals. So the Bible has two covenants, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Testament is the same as the word covenant. And so we have two covenants, but even in the Old Covenant, there are lots of covenants. And so there's a covenant, for instance, in Noah. So Genesis chapter 6, we read about how because of the depravity, because we had sunk so low in the depraved nature of our living, that God decided, was this a good idea after all? And so he virtually obliterated creation. He, he practically overturned the creation order in chapter 1 and chapter 2. But he saved a man called Noah and his family, and he made a deal with Noah which was unilateral. In other words, it didn't require Noah to come back with any long-term promises of obedience on behalf of the human race. God just said, here's the deal. I will never again flood the earth to destroy it in this way again. And every covenant has a sign, and so the sign in that case was the sign of the rainbow in the sky, a sign to remind us and also God, if we needed reminding, the fact that there is a deal. In the case of the flood and the covenant, it's unilateral. It's a one-way thing. And then the covenant with Abram, a man who lived in Mesopotamia, a man who he wasn't particularly good, Here's the amazing thing. God chose Abram not because he was good. The, the Bible doesn't tell us he, he was good in any way. In fact, we can read about how he got on and how he dealt with people, and he, he made some desperate mistakes. And yet God chose him not because Abram was good, but because God is good. So human beings, the Bible tells us right from the very start, we after the fall from grace, we are all dead in our sins. We are no-hopers by ourselves. We live under the power of sin, and we live under the penalty that comes with sin, death, because the consequences of sin are death. The wages of sinful behavior is death. And so we are born into a reality of death. We are born as sinners, and therefore we sin. We don't sin because we don't, we're not sinners because we sin. 
we sin because we're sinners. So when we're born, we're sinners because we're born, born into a broken reality. But God comes to Abram and he says to him, here's the deal. And the deal is that, that God, he says, I'm going to create a people for myself through you and your descendants. And I'm going to give you a land. I'm promising you a land. And you're going to live under my blessing. Your descendants are going to live under my blessing because they're going to live under my rule. Because here's the other part of the deal. You are going to obey everything that you hear from God. And so the refrain comes again and again to the Old Testament. I will be your God and you will be my people. And there are three elements to that. There's the people, there's the land, and there is the blessing. So the passage we read from Genesis, or Holly read today from Genesis chapter 17, is another conversation to reinforce the covenant that God has with Abram. The first time we hear about it, this covenant is in Genesis chapter 12, and God says to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God's intention, we can see it throughout the whole entirety of Scripture, His rescue plan is to have our universal rescue plan, one that's accessible for every type of person from every country, from every gender, from every background, from every nation. God wants to make sure that this opportunity is accessible to everybody. And what he does again and again, he chooses a person. He chooses a nation, the nation of Israel. And his purpose all the way along is to bless everybody. That's the understanding of the people of Israel. The prophets call the people back to again and again. That's what Jesus called the people of Israel to back again and again. We are only called by God for the benefit of other people. We'll be blessed in the process, but our calling is actually for the good of other people. That's the challenge that was on the people of Israel. And yet, they broke the deal with God again and again and again and again and again. They broke the deal with God. And so the kingdom of God that we'll see in weeks ahead, which, which was tasted in terms of the reign of King David and Solomon, eventually it just comes crashing down. And so in that case, the, the people are the people of Israel and the land is the land of Israel and the blessing is living under the laws and the rules of God and the blessing, therefore, of God. But ultimately, the people of Israel turn their back on God. And so the covenant with Moses, the covenant which is signed in blood of the Lamb across the door and has the sign of the Sabbath as the covenant sign, the prophets begin to say, this isn't working out. And so there's a new covenant coming, a better covenant coming. And like all covenants, it will be inaugurated by the shedding of blood. And like all covenants, there'll be a sign to remind you of it. And that's the new covenant of Jesus Christ.
the Lamb of God who was slain for us, who hung on the cross and his blood was spilt to show us the fact that this is a new covenant because the Bible all the way through says when God creates a new deal, there's always bloodshed. This time it just happens to be God himself in the flesh whose blood is spilt. And our job is to be like Abraham, to recognize the fact that there is no good in us without God. And all this covenant depends purely on one thing, on the goodness of God. That's why we summarize our Christian faith in saying that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone. In other words, everything depends not on our goodness, it depends on God's goodness, on His grace, on His generosity, on His activity, on Him coming into the world in Christ Jesus and living and dying and being buried and being raised to life for us. Why? Not because we're good, but because He's good. That's what the grace of God is all about. How do we receive the grace of God? In the same way that Abram did just by trusting that God is good. It seems so straightforward. It seems so easy. The Bible describes us as being children of Abraham. Why? Because Paul says in Romans chapter 4, as he explains this passage, this, this covenant, he says the fact that this is all by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only those who are under the law, that's Jewish people, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham, that's all of us. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, Abraham believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. God's covenant promises to Abraham were the promise of the kingdom of God. As we've seen from the last couple of weeks, the kingdom of God is all about people, it's all about land, and it's all about rule and blessing. And so the new covenant involves God inviting all types of people from all types of nation to be part of his people through the blood spilt by Jesus Christ by the new covenant, the new deal. The land, it's everywhere. Everything used to be in microcosm, now it is blown up large. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. In other words, blessed are those who, who submit willingly to God's rule and authority. Because what's theirs? What land? What little patch of land is theirs? Everything. And so you and I as kingdom people today, where, where's our land? Everywhere. Where are God's people? Everywhere. What nations? Every nation. Are we willing to be, to be meek? Are we people who willingly submit to God's call in our lives? Because if we do, then we will live under God's blessing, and that will include inheriting the whole earth. So whenever Paul is speaking about this, again, in the verses following in Romans 4, 18, he says this about Abram. 
because Abram received all of this because he trusted that God is good and that God can do anything that he says he will do and he can even do it in us and through us. Against all hope, Paul writes, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. He was about 99 years old. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised our Lord Jesus from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. Do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that your future depends not on anything that you and I could do? Our future depends purely on the goodness of God. That's what Abraham believed. And God basically said, Abram, you're right with me. Not because you do the right things or say the right things, but because you believe that I always do the right things and say the right things. Abram heard the whisper of God in his life and he chose to believe it. And again and again, the Bible shows us that that again and again, God encountered Abraham and he spoke to him. I don't know in what way he spoke to him. The Bible tells us about visions and the Bible tells us about God speaking in the midst of the, of the still wind. The God speaks in all sorts of ways, angels, dreams, visions, through the Bible. God speaks in all sorts of different ways. And I imagine you're here today because God has spoken to you in some way. I imagine the only reason why you would bother getting out of bed and coming here today is because in your life, once or twice or a thousand times, you have heard God speak to you. What has he been saying to you? I don't want you to answer all at once, but I wonder what has he been saying to you? All sorts of things, I'm sure. He's been, he's been singing his song of love over you. He's been telling you that you're a cherished child of God, that you're accepted in Jesus Christ, that you're the apple of his eye, that he loves you. I, I am confident that he will be, have been saying these things to you. There will be specific things that he will be saying to you as well. I don't know what they are. I don't need to know what they are, but you need to know what they are. Because God is speaking to you. He is calling you into new life, kingdom reality. He is promising you the kingdom in the same way he promised Abraham the kingdom. He is promising you the kingdom. And yes, together we have a with all Christians, we have a, have a call together, a corporate call, but part of that corporate call is the individual call that God has on your life. What has he been saying to you? In what way has he been calling you to trust him? And what obstacles are there that would need to be overcome for it to happen? Because you can be sure 
that whenever God speaks into your life, there will never be a smooth path. I've never known God to call anybody into anything that had a smooth path towards it. Never. Why? Because the glory of God shows up when we become hurdlers, when we become people who overcome obstacles that are there. So what were the obstacles for Abraham? Well, he was a nomad, and God was saying, I'm going to give you a big land, promised land, flowing with milk and honey. I'm not going to tell you where it is just yet. I just want you to get up and move towards it. And this is going to be a land that's going to be inherited by you and your ancestors, your descendants coming after you. Genesis chapter 12, when God first speaks to Abraham, he's in his 80s. His wife Sarah has never had, and physically it looks as if she could never have children. Abraham himself probably thinks, well, my chances of having children are gone too. And God says to him, your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky, as numerous as the grains of sand on the seashore. I would call Abraham's obstacles pretty big obstacles. By the time we come to Genesis chapter 17 that we read this morning, Abraham has obeyed the voice of God. He has moved and moved and moved, and he's eventually come. He's, he's understood by continually listening to God. He understands the fact that where he now has come to, the land of Canaan, is in fact the promised land. He doesn't own one inch of it. And yet as he stands there at the mouth of his tent, he listens to God and he hears again the whisper of God in his life and God says, all this land is going to belong to your descendants. And Abraham understandably says, I don't have any descendants. Or not at least at that time. By Genesis 17, he has one called Ishmael. But actually the promise isn't going to be fulfilled through Ishmael. It's going to be fulfilled through a son who is yet to be born through his wife who is incapable of having children. And what did Abraham do? He believed God. He said, God, you said it. I believe it. And God says, and to, to ratify this, to just to put a line in the sand and let us know the fact that we believe and trust each other here, I want you to circumcise, be circumcised yourself and your son, and in fact, everybody, everyone in your household, your slaves and all their children. And what did Abraham do? That very day, he made sure everybody was circumcised and himself. Again, that is faith. Imagine having such faith in the Word of God that every time he whispers something into your heart, you react immediately and do whatever he says. I heard a, a wonderful definition recently of Christian maturity. It's measured in the length of time it takes between us hearing the Word of God and us doing the Word of God. The shorter the time span, the more we are like Jesus Christ. If you read the Gospels, as soon as Jesus knows what the Father wants, Mark uses this word again and again in his gospel, immediately, 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 immediately. Why? Because as soon as Jesus Christ was clear what the Father was saying, he was up and he was away. 
Remember when Paul had the, the dream of the, of the man from Macedonia in the middle of the night. They were, they were trying to get into one country and God said, no, I want you to go over here. What did Paul do as he woke up in the middle of the night? He woke up everybody else and said, pack your bags, we're going. I'm sure they said, Paul, you're off your rocker. Abraham, on the day he heard the whisper of God, saying, here's the sign of the covenant, circumcision for every meal. What does he do that very day? Everyone gets circumcised. That's faith. You see, when God calls us to show that we trust him, there's physical movement involved. There's physical reality involved because his salvation is not just for our souls and our spirits. It's for our bodies. It's for creation. It's for everybody. It's for every inch of land on this planet and in this universe. God's rescue plan is for everyone, everything. It's universal in its scope. The question is, are we willing to respond in faith and to trust that he can do it? Because we receive all the kingdom of God by God's generosity, but by trusting that God is good. So I wonder what God's been saying to you over the days, weeks, months, minutes, whatever it happens to be, years. Are there things that God has been saying to you? And some of them you perhaps have responded to quickly and done it and you've seen the blessing of God. Even though it was difficult, even though it was awkward, even though it was costly, you responded and you've seen the blessing in your life. But there are other things perhaps the Lord has spoken to you about. And yes, they involve change and they involve sacrifice. Have you responded and done what God has called you to do? There can be little things. There can be little things like God saying, Nigel, I want you to get up half an hour earlier and I want you to pray more than you do at the moment. They can be big things. Leave your job and do something else. Move house. They can be big things and they can be little things. It doesn't really matter whether they're big or whether they're small. What matters is, are we willing to hear and are we willing to obey? And how do we hear? Well, we hear quite often by being still in the presence of God. That stillness doesn't necessarily mean stillness, stillness. Quite often for me, stillness means walking along a coastal path and having a quiet conversation with God. Or it can mean in the morning, getting up and listening to worship music and reading the Bible. It's about confession and reflection and prayer and Bible study and service. These are the ways that we explore what the will of God is. And as we do that, and as we crystallize, what is God calling me to be? Who is he calling me to be? What is he calling me to do? What is he calling me to stop doing? Then Christian maturity is about saying, as soon as I know what God's called me to do, by I'm going to do it. Because that is where blessing is to be found. That is where wholeness is to be found. That's where blessing comes to many other people whenever we are willing to obey the voice of God. So, are you listening out for God's voice? Or has God spoken to you in the past and said something which was so uncomfortable to you that you make your life busy because you know if you stop, he'll say it to you again? 
Or have you actually heard what God is saying and you think, actually, I know what God is saying, I just haven't done it yet. And there could be all sorts of reasons for that. And we will know the reasons well because we will have rehearsed them well. There's not the opportunity, God, for me to do what you're calling me to do. It's just not physically possible. I don't have the time to do it. I don't have the availability to do it. I don't have the intellectual intelligence to do it. I don't have the character to do it. I don't have the health to do it and the wrong age to do it. You'll know the reasons better than me because the reasons that you give will be different perhaps than the reasons that I give whenever I want to procrastinate, whenever I want to say, God, that sounds like a brilliant idea, but it just doesn't fit into my life at the moment. And in doing that, we're saying, God, you know what? I do want to live on to your blessing. I do want to live on to your rule. I do want to take your advice because actually I know what's better. And where are we when we say that? We're back in Genesis chapter 3. And we are as dead as a doornail. That wonderful verse that Paul says in that Romans chapter 4 chapter, that God calls that which is dead to life. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that are not. Our God breathed creation into being. He can certainly overcome any obstacle that we may put up in our lives to his glory being shown. And in fact, his glory will be all the more shown when he takes us over that obstacle. Whenever we put our hand in his and say, God, I believe you're calling me into this. I just don't see how it's going to happen, but I'm putting my hand in yours and let's go on this journey. And God says in that, that he will, he will change our name. God changed the name of Abraham, which means exalted father, to the name Abraham, which means the father of a multitude, the father of many. God has a heavenly name for each and every one of us. He is calling us into a new reality. He has a new story over our lives. He has a new history to unfold. The question is, are we willing to step into the new story God has for us? That he is speaking over our lives. He's even speaking to you by his Holy Spirit even now. He is speaking to you a new reality. Are you willing to take the risk? Are you willing to trust that he is good? Are you willing to say yes to God and say, no matter what the obstacles, I believe that I've heard your still small voice and I'm going to say, bring it on, Lord. Don't let health get in your way. Don't let age get in your way. Don't let finances get in your way. Whatever God calls you to do, just do it. We're not going to have a Nike symbol just come up at that moment. But just do it. Because that is where the blessing comes from. So what I'd love us to do this morning, I'm going to invite the band to come up, please. And in a moment, and the start of the first song, I'm going to invite all the prayer ministry team to come up. If you're in the prayer ministry team, I would love you to come up in a second and just go right away along the front here. And I, I wonder... 
what the Lord has been speaking to you about. It may be for days, weeks, months, years, and you sense the Lord has spoken to you in some way, and yet you need to step out again in faith and say, God, bring it on. And with, with Abraham, Abraham who became Abraham, there was a step of faith, in fact, lots of steps of faith, thousands of steps of faith, because he went from the place where he was, the place where God wanted him to be. And to arrive in the promised land, he had to get up and to go. Have you ever heard the name Terah? Abraham's father was called Terah. And the Bible tells us that Terah was called well, certainly he got up, whether he was called or not, it looks as if he was. He, was he, he went up and he was to go to Canaan, but he never arrived there. He settled halfway in a place called Ur, and there he died. And it was Abraham, his son, who went up and went to Canaan, the promised land. And I wonder, I just wonder, if God spoke to Abraham's father, Terah, and said, Terah, go to the land I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation, and your descendants will be as numerous as the sand of the seashore. And Terah got up, and he went halfway, and then he stopped. And he didn't go to the place that he intended to go to, and he died halfway in Ur of the Chaldeans. God has given us bodies in order to show the fact that we trust him. It always requires a journey. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to do something physically that acknowledges the fact that God has been whispering in your ear. It could be here this morning. It could be as you go from here. Maybe it's about going back home and kneeling down beside your bed at home or going out for a walk or wherever it happens to be and saying, God, your new reality, bring it into my life. And by me doing what I'm doing, I'm showing you that I want your reality that I believe you're calling me into to do it. It could be making a phone call. It could be writing a letter. It needs to be something physical. but I believe that God has been speaking to you in some way and that will require a response, a physical response. Well, this morning as we sing our next song and the prayer team are all the way along here, perhaps what the Lord is calling you to do is take a step of faith and say, God, you don't even have to say, you can come and just say, pray for me. Or you can come and say, pray about this. But in some way, acknowledge and say, God, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I want to acknowledge what you're saying. And it could be there's an obstacle. There will be an obstacle in the way. And say, God, you know what the obstacle is. It's my character. Or it's my skill set. Or it's my time. Or it's my availability or it's my circumstances, or it's my health, or it's my, my, I perceive it's my age, or something, and, and say, Lord, I believe that you're calling me, and you know what the obstacles are. But today I want to say, who cares about the obstacles?
I care that you have called me. And I stand in the faith of Abraham and through Jesus Christ who was dead and was raised to life by the word of God, the same word that is speaking into our hearts and lives, I believe that you can do everything that you've said you're going to do. Shall we stand? And uh, we're going to sing. And I'd love the prayer team to come forward, please, and stand all the way on the front. And I challenge you, take a step of faith today. Acknowledge that God has spoken to you in the silence and that he can do it.